everybody. Happy Monday. It's Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590. The Fan, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. NHL, NBA trade deadlines are behind us. We're fast approaching my favorite sports time of the year, which is early April. April get... in the D, if you ever watched uh, yeah. Detroiters. Yeah, that's right. On the, whatever, the, the local De- Detroit television station. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's fine in, in the D. I, I, I think it's quite good in the T. In, in Toronto, it's, mm-hmm. it's quite good. We're going to have a, a couple of, well, at least one playoff team here uh, in the National Hockey League and probably a play-in team in the NBA. I guess the slight advantage that certain American markets would have would be that they also get the buzz of NFL draft and free agency and then maybe also March Madness. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, April in the D could have, I don't know, Michigan State going on a good college basketball run and the Lions landing a big pick. Whereas here, we've only got to focus on you know, the Leafs in the playoffs and the Raptors in the play-in and the Blue Jays starting their World Series push. That's correct. Uh, well, And the Masters are the first week of April, too, which I'm down of with. Of course. Yeah, as, as you well know. Yeah. I'm sure there's some wrestling happening on planet Earth. WrestleMania is April 1st and 2nd. Oh, buddy. Yeah. I didn't even include that, but yeah. Like, yeah. throw WrestleMania into the mix. Yeah, I'll, I'll miss it this year, but that's, uh, you know, we make sacrifices for friends. Will you tape friends. it? I mean, I won't like put a VHS in because I, I don't know how to do that. Uh, That's but what I will you say you don't. I will fire okay. up Sportsnet now yeah. after the fact, of right. course, and watch it on delay. Yeah, you don't say tape it. Like I know there nobody uses. VHS. I just say record. Record. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Does that that was bad when I said tape no, it? I'm just giving you a hard time. Okay, record it, PVR it, DVR. What is this country? Are we PVR or DVR in this country? I don't know. All right, do one of those things. So, anyways, yeah, we're fast approaching my favorite sports time. Of the calendar, start of the Major League Baseball season. And now, all that. are you a college basketball guy at all? Because March Madness is a big part of that for me. And I know that March Madness isn't doesn't fit perfectly because it's kind of the prelude to yeah. baseball starting. It's like, hey, you've yeah. got one weekend to get your practice in sitting on a couch and watching nonstop around-the-clock sports. When is the World Baseball Classic? The final's got to be in and around the end of well, the Well, it starts tomorrow. I know. So I've got my, my, my tape in the VCR getting ready to, to tape the 11 o'clock, what is it, Cuba-Netherlands game tomorrow? Yes, yes. We get the, uh, the Dutch ballers, which is great. Um, the World Baseball Classic final is March 21st. Mm. So, yes, we get that uh, the opening weekend of March Madness is, I believe, the 17, 18, 16, 17, 18, 19, mm-hmm. uh, the Thursday through Sunday there. So then you'll roll yeah. from that right into the World Baseball Classic. And then how do you feel baseball. about this? So this is a sports radio program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I used to host a sports radio program with J.D. Bunkus uh, not too long ago. He used to routinely take the Thursday, Friday, the first Thursday, Friday of March Madness off so that he could just imbibe on on college basketball for two straight days which i get like that's that's cool but you know could have talked about it on on the radio we were t- talking about the first two days of march madness without him i'd have like donovan bennett in as, as, as a guest co-host but how do you feel about taking sporting events off when your job is to talk about sports on the radio i i mean i it's cool that jd did that um i haven't mm. really run into it specifically because um, prior to last year, my job was always, you know, Raptors would take priority, but you, there's nothing that keeps you from like firing up March Madness games on your laptop when you're at Scotiabank Arena or, or something like that. Or if you're on the road um, last year, I was working the morning show at the time. So it was perfect anyway. Yeah. Uh, all the, literally the only change was I 
didn't have beers while I did it on Thursday because I had to be up for, I don't know, whatever time we got up in the morning <laughs> on the Friday. Um, and then, yeah, this year, I, I guess it'll be a little different. I have an annual tradition with some friends from university that goes back to first year of university where we watch one of those first days together. I obviously won't be able to do that this year because I'll be on the show, but I think we're bumping it to uh, the Saturday oh. instead of the Thursday or Friday. I'd love to do Vegas on one of the, the either the Thursday or the Friday, or I mean both. If you're there for Thursday, stay for the Friday. I'd love to do like a sports book in Vegas for those two days. And just melt down in a crowd as oh, you watch yeah. the like, you have um, <laughs> Texas Tech plus 16 and a half yeah. and they're reeling, they're down <laughs> yeah. seven Seventeen, and you yes. just need a garbage bucket yep. from like the senior they put in with forty yeah. seconds left because it's going to be his last career game. Dude, Dan Schulman on the call, Duke at UNC over the weekend. Like, what's going on with Carolina basketball right now? They're in a bad way, and I know um, Bacot is like good and fun, but like otherwise, it's just bad decision after bad decision. Mm. They've kind of. Um, not built the team super well like in the lead up to this year i think this year is supposed to be like oh this is the year you were supposed to be getting ready for over the last couple years but they kind of bled big men um they had walker kessler at one point just like sitting on the bench as a as a third string center and now he's you know going to be on rookie of the year ballots and Mm. um the way they're designed like you can just you can compel me with a uh, college basketball team that is four guards who don't have an NBA skill and one big man. Um, but it's just not working out uh, for them right now. And there's, there's a lot of uh, Bama loss on the weekend, a pretty big upset there mm-hmm. um, to a ranked team, but it's still, you know, this is the time of year. Bama shouldn't be losing at all. We're all boilermakers though in this country. This yeah. Year. And we had some pretty big games on the, on the women's side. Um, Kim Clark with another triple double. Um, it's uh it's time. And this is obviously this week is kind of conference tournament week. And then we'll have selection Sunday on Sunday. So that'll be a lot of fun. But yeah, I'm, I'm fired up the Vegas side of it. I have not done the most thing. The most fun thing I've been in Vegas at a sports book for was actually the home run derby one year. Oh, really? I was there for summer league and the timing lined up and I was like, you know what? I wanted to do something at the sports book. I do want to hear Chris Berman say back, back, back a bunch of times. And like, there's nothing else to like, like you said, that's the dead week, right? MLB all-star. Um, there's, there are no college sports Dude, on. We air the home run derby on the radio, which you should listen to. There is holy cow. Like if you are listening and, and you have heard, like you've tuned into the home run derby. Good for you. You are, you are hardcore or something else, but that is intense to listen to a home run derby now on the radio. Let me tell you, if you are in Vegas at a time of year where there aren't a lot of sports on and you want something to bet on at the sports book, so you get the sports book experience, the home run derby is basically oh, your yeah. only option. But that, and it, I, I, I get betting on it. It for spiced sure. it up. I, it was the year that Pete, Pete Alonzo like ran away oh. with it. So I was like, Roller I was bear. dead in the water immediately. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't bet on Pete Alonzo. I'm out of here. I got to go play some $5 uh, blackjack tables to uh. make this money back. But yeah, it's uh, it's weirdly not the best time. You do get some um, soccer, but I'm not a huge soccer guy. And then the timing of those games takes you out of... Mm. Um, takes you out of the gym for summer league games. Mm. All right. Well, so that that that's chaos. That's the chaos that will will take place over the next month or so. Uh, there was chaos today at Leafs practice in Newark, New Jersey, as they get set to play the Devils tomorrow night. So we saw Ryan O'Reilly leave the game over the weekend in Vancouver after taking the slap shot by Austin Matthews off the finger. He's got a broken finger. It's on LTIR. 
So the earliest he could return is a March 29th game against the Florida Panthers, which would have him finish off the regular season with nine regular season games. Who knows if he'll be if he'll be ready to come back at that point. Sheldon Keith today kept saying this guy's going to be ready for the postseason. So that that's a positive, but you'll be without him for the next 10, maybe more games of the regular season. Also, John Tavares was wearing a gray jersey at practice. He was skating around. He was leading the stretch, but was not a full participant, didn't skate on a line, will not play in tomorrow's game. And they're just saying he's not feeling himself, but they also like are alluding to the big hit that he took uh, by Tyler Myers on Saturday as well as Jake McCabe came to, to his defense. So that's a little bit uh, nerve-wracking, I would say. The Jake McCabe of it all was excellent. Um, you take 17 minutes of penalties to be like, what is the number one gripe that, I mean, anyone, but especially old school fans have had over the last couple of years. It's that there's no, unless you're putting a bad player in the lineup, like they did in game one of the, the postseason last year, there is nobody on this roster who makes you, who punishes you for taking liberties with the Leafs top players. Mm -hmm. uh, Jake McCabe immediately trying to make sure everyone is aware that that is no longer the case, racking up 17 minutes of penalties to make that statement. Um, good, good technique there too. You know, that was the, that was basically uh, on the preliminary card for the UFC event that followed the Leaf game. Uh, it was a nice piece of work, but yeah, this is, rough and the john tavares side of it i mean it kind of like it's weird that they're they're like even alluding to the potential of a con i'll say it yes concussion but they're not saying those words but they're talking about the hit but he was on the ice today if he was truly in concussion protocol and there was a, a true belief that there was some symptoms resulting from the hit on saturday I'm I'm pretty sure he would not be permitted to be on the ice in any capacity today. Permitted, sure, if you actually put the guy into the concussion protocol. But here's the secret about concussion protocols all around sports is that it only comes into effect once you put a player in the concussion protocol. Yeah. You can do this little dance of oh, he's just not feeling well. And I'm not saying that that is the case with Tavares, but we had this with, I believe it was Kel McCarr yeah. not that long ago, who also was, it was like, oh, well, it's not a concussion. And then a couple of days later, it is a concussion. Guess what? That happens yep. sometimes. And I'm again, I'm not saying that's the case with Tavares, but I'm saying that it, it's worth monitoring and it's great that he could skate around and stuff. But um, I've had a pretty bad concussion before where the symptoms didn't set in for a few days. I remember back in the Landry Fields era of the Raptors, he got basically like hip checked and landed terribly and was like bleeding from the top of his head and was at practice the next day practicing. Mm. And it was like, nope, he's fine. And then a couple days later, he entered concussion protocol and missed an extended period of time. So those things are entirely possible. The fact that he was skating is probably a positive and maybe he's just you know, feeling banged up or well, whatever. Well, they did also mention the potential of the flu bug. But again, mm -hmm. like, if it, if you thought it was the flu, why is he around the other yeah. players? I don't know. It's a That's little a little bit weird. Was one. he skating around in a mask and <laughs> yeah, leading yeah. stretches in, I, a, in one of those plastic shields? Don't think uh, so. I guess most of them wear plastic shields. That's right. It's over the eyes, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, whatever. It's not like anyone wore a mask <laughs> properly in the in the thick of things either. Um, The other side of it, or the other part of it, is also the Leafs have this gap where off yesterday, off today, play tomorrow, and then off until Saturday. Mm -hmm. So they've got a little bit of, if it is something physical that's bothering him or they're just on the fence about it, 
it's the same thing we talked about when Austin Matthews missed those handful of games is if you sit him down during a period where you don't have a lot of games, you get an extended benefit to that rest period where John Tavares is, yes, missing one game, but that effectively buys him an entire week off. Mm -hmm. So it's a good week to have these problems. Um, Ryan O'Reilly is a separate thing because that's LTIR. Yeah. And he's going to be out at least a couple weeks. But the Tavares side is up some money for the deadline. Oh, wait. Yeah. The Tavares element and Luke Shen being away from the team. If you were going to pick a week for those things to happen, this would be the week with a game Tuesday and then nothing until Saturday. Well, and you would also choose a team that's locked into the playoffs, basically locked into a first round matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which we'll get to in a second. Who suck? Yeah. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) And uh, we'll talk to Colby Armstrong also uh, this, uh, this hour who uh, was part of the panel breaking down that game on TNT yesterday. Uh, another loss, uh, the fifth straight, the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. But the Ryan O'Reilly thing, okay, so it's you got him for the postseason. You got him because he's a con Smythe winner. You got him because of the postseason experience. You got him to have center depth, and that's all well and good. And if he returns with even five games remaining in the regular season and and looks up to the task and and does everything you expect of him in the postseason, all well and good. But the experimentation of him, second-line center, third-line center, where does he fit? The idea of getting him to mesh offensively with John Tavares and William Nylander. We talked about this, Blake, about how it's it seems like it's an easier... It's easier to acclimatize yourself when you're... you're purpose your job your number one job is to be the guy that was a selkie winner right like the guy that is is protecting his own goal as opposed to trying to score goals now you're the, the perfect world and the selkie winner has to do both and you want him to do both but it seems like at this point with him coming back with with single digit games left in the regular and we started to see it before he got hurt also that this guy is destined to be the third line center the other thing is that sam lafferty is now the second line center with both he and tavares out who is Having a nice year offensively for him, that means a career-high 10 goals. Yeah, it's a bit of a mishmash. And look, you lose two of your centers who could both make a case for second-line center, and your lineups are going to look a little goofy. There's no <laughs> there's no real way around that. The other element of trying to work O'Reilly back in, I suppose, and we'll see how uh, they do with Michigan State this coming weekend, but there's a Matthew Nye situation that could resolve itself mm-hmm. as recently or as, as soon as next weekend also. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, because this yeah, is just, just, this the is just a conference one. Yeah, March tournament. 24th, I believe, is yeah. the first day he soon. can come over. Um, yes, they're they not, they're not they're... at risk of losing the Final Four, but they are... If you ever wanted a, cha- a time to like tune in and check out Nyes, yeah. um, this Michigan State series that that's up next uh, because our guy Anson Carter and, and his Sparties uh, came back from down 0-1 in that series. Yeah, I mean, uh, Gophers are ranked first in the nation, so yes. it's, it's unlikely that they're going to go out early in the Frozen Four. But yeah, I'm sure the Leafs like is secretly have their, yeah. their fingers crossed. I think you'd want them to. I think you probably just want them to go on as far a run as you like. Is there a huge difference between three games and four games or five? Probably games? not. Um, honestly. And you'd probably even be like, you know what? Take a game or two off. Like you've, you've just got through a whole season, but that is one element that you would consider as you figure out what the lines look like for the last couple of games down the stretch for tomorrow though, they're going to look funky. Kerfoot is now a first line winger Yeah, because the other element of this is while they're dealing with all this center fallout, Michael Bunting has been demoted in what sounds like a not temporary move. Um, 
Sheldon Keefe calling it a, a mental block for Michael Bunting right now and him saying, I don't know, it is what it is. We'll talk to Colby more about that as well. But so now you're looking at, okay, the first line's a little different because Kerfoot's up there and man, as much as it would have made sense to move off of him in certain deadline situations because of the cap hit and because, you know, he was playing on the the third and fourth line there for a little bit, uh, a guy who can move up and down the lineup and play center and the the wing uh, suddenly looks super valuable. And we'll, then, see, we'll see about the effectiveness. But yeah, yeah, we'll see about the... I, I'm of the mind that if you're playing with Matthews and Marner, you, you probably don't need to do a whole lot so outside of yourself, I agree. He's played almost forty minutes at five on five with those two this season. Goals are five to five. Sorry, three to three in those uh, in those forty minutes. Michael Bunting has played two hundred nineteen minutes naturally at five on five with Matthews and Marner. Honestly, not that much better. Ten nine. Mm-hmm. Leafs have outscored opponents ten nine at five on five. So it, they've basically been an even team when the line has been put together the way it was intended. And, and, you know, we could dig into the game specifics of that because I'd imagine when you're on the road, those minutes are coming against the other team's best shutdown line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess they also lean pretty offensive heavy though, when that trios together, yeah. um, that's something that maybe the Leafs look and, and with the absence of a, a clear shutdown line. Now, maybe that Matthews Marner Kerfoot line becomes more of a, a both ends line than we've seen of late um, because you have a second line with yarn croak Lafferty and Nylander that that really could be your your kind of trust them in your own end line. Like Yarn Croc and Lafferty are are good in those roles. There's a ton of speed on that line. Very interested to see what Nylander having a guy who could keep up with them regularly uh, looks like. But that's not, you know, that line outside of Nylander doesn't scream, we're going to produce a ton of offense. The Bunting-Holmberg-Steves line... I have next to no idea what to expect, mostly because every time we've seen bunting, you just said the the numbers with bunting on that top line are not enthusiastically great. Bunting's looked really out of sorts whenever he's not on that line. So yeah. uh, we'll see how that goes. And then at least you have the fourth line that is now firmly into the territory of you've got five or six guys. And if you throw any combination of the three of them out there, I'm going to trust them in a, in a fourth line role, probably, by minutes, I'd imagine the Achari Camp uh, Aston Reese line is actually more the third line tomorrow than than whereas the Holmberg Steves line probably the shortest minutes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they get goals out of the, out of these forward units, and we'll see. Maybe Sam Lafferty's turned himself into a, an offensive threat. He's never been in this kind of an opportunity. Here's the uh, thing with this type of player, William Nylander, who's up there among the the team leader in points. And s- speed is a great weapon for a lot of things. And, and we tend to associate it when it comes to Lafferty with his play on the penalty kill because yeah. he does lead the league in shorthanded goals. And that's a scenario where your top end speed is very obvious very quickly. Now, with a guy like Nylander, one of the things that I'm excited to at least see how it works out is one of the best tools that or one of the best kind of trickle downs of the elite speed tool is that it can open up ice for your line mates because if you are so fast that they have to pay attention to you and you are kind of changing what the defense looks like at the blue line or through the neutral zone maybe William Nylander gets a little bit more space to operate on the rush with Lafferty kind of busting in and open up, opening up some space for him um, again not that Tavares and O'Reilly aren't very capable and good line mates but you know those guys don't move their feet the way Lafferty does because almost nobody moves their feet the way Lafferty does. So curious to see what that one looks like. Yeah, no, it's, it's, 
I think both Laverty and Achari have popped in mm-hmm. early days with the Maple Leafs. It's different, though, when yeah, your role is just like hit people, keep the puck in the offensive zone. You don't need to score to, hey, you're playing with William Nylander and we're without two of the guys that are expected to score, so can you help us create some offense? We'll see uh, tomorrow against Timo Meyer, who has scored for his new team in the uh, New Jersey Devils. Um, August 12th, be an interesting day down at Rogers Center. Jose Bautista is the newest inductee to the level of excellence. This is an obvious one to me, Blake, and I'm sure you agree. There needs to be some representation for that 15-16 Blue Jays postseason. Um, Edwin Encarnacion, I know, has now a role with the team. I don't know if it's been defined quite yet. Uh, Josh Donaldson is still playing in Major League Baseball. I'm not sure if his tenure was long enough with the Blue Jays to even... Uh, render a conversation he, about his it's very kawaii-ish right yeah. of like he was better than both for the brief time he was here he's what only the second blue jay ever to win an mvp yeah it's uh it's a pretty big deal yeah and i was about to hit 50 home runs he has the franchise record in in home runs for a single season in, and he had a couple of years where he was top five in MVP voting. I was going to say, his his 54 home run season, not only the franchise record and led the league, but not even really his best season. Mm-mm. Like not, and it's like, I will always remember the 54 home run season as like the Jose Batista season because it came out of, oh you know, God. unless you were really locked in the September prior, it kind of <laughs> came out of nowhere. And I remember it. I, this was back in the day when I played fantasy baseball mm. and somebody drafted, like it wasn't even early, but somebody drafted Jose Bautista. And I was like, why? What? For what? Because I mean, Ciro Gaston talked about leading him off, right? That he was, he was going to. Yeah. Because of the on base skill. Yes. yes mm-hmm. Which he definitely possessed. But we led the league in walks the year prior. Once pitchers were like, oh, my goodness, this guy hit so many home runs. Uh, it was, yeah, it was mind-bending that the Blue Jays just walked into this guy, the best slugger in in baseball. I was going to say the American League, but in baseball over a you know couple-year span. They also kind of walked in, they more than kind of walked into Edwin Encarnacion, who was part of a trade for a Hall of Famer, but also DFA'd and off the roster in an Oakland A for like a second and a half. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny, and, and I know that this is the case with a lot of franchises that end up having sustained success. You 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 go through everything, and if you know, like if you know the St. Louis Cardinals as intimately as we know the Toronto Blue Jays, there are probably some instances like that as well. But it is pretty funny that Jose Batista was like a non, like a, a pretty much an afterthought in a trade for an organizational depth catcher, and then like was fringy his whole first year and a half with the Blue Jays. Robinson Diaz had a moment, though, where you thought maybe he'd be the guy. Speaking of, I remember so, watching him in the double-A home run derby. Everyone had a moment where they were uh, they were almost the catcher of the future. My favorite thing is going back and chasing, uh, tracing catchers of the future. Shout out to Curtis Thigpen. Oh, yeah. Uh, Guillermo Quiros. Sure. Uh, all those guys. By the way, uh, so Jose Batista, 2010, obviously sets the franchise record uh, for home runs with 54. That season, he had an OPS plus. So uh, when we look at his on-base plus slugging and adjusted for the league's offensive environment that year it was 164 Mm -hmm. the following year it was 182 yeah only one blue jay has ever posted an ops plus higher than that carlos delgado no george bell no george bell's not even george bell his mvp season he had a 146 oh my goodness uh, ops plus not not that ridiculous uh vlad no, Vlad, uh, 167 in 2021. So a little behind Delgado had uh, number three. You're missing number one here. Number one OPS plus season in franchise history. Think OBP. Don't think the slugging side of it. 
Uh, what? John Olerud. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, like, Marco Scudero? What are you talking no, about? No, John Olerud. He had a 473 yeah. OBP one yeah. year. Okay. And uh, so his 1993 season yes, is, the, is the high watermark for, like, all-around offensive Blue Jay season. Sure. I'm down with it. And you know what? He's a guy that's – that. I mean, you could have a discussion about him being on the level of excellence. I do think Bautista, again, deserving of, of that honor – and I think you need some representation from uh, a couple of years of ALCS appearances, not a World Series championship, which this franchise has. And there's representation there. There's Tony Fernandez. Um, and there's Dave Steve, I think, was actually on the roster for 92 as well. But, but Olerud also spent like seven full seasons as a Blue Jay. Like he, he's got, obviously he went on to have uh, some pretty notable years with the Mets and Mariners as yeah. well. And then a couple other AL East teams Well, that's at the about end. As, as, my, as many as... Edwin has. Edwin, mm-hmm. I think, has seven or eight, and Bautista yeah. has ten. Edwin, uh, yeah. So Edwin played 999 games as a Blue Jay. Can we get him in one more this year? <laughs> Is, can that be uh, the Edwin day? Just, yeah. like, get him his thousandth, uh, thousandth game. But, like, yeah, where you get into the complicated stuff is, okay, Jose Batista has played over 1,200 games as a Blue Jay. Like, there's really... Like he played almost as many games as a Jay as Carlos Delgado did, yeah. and everyone thinks of Carlos Delgado as a lifelong Jay until the tail end. Yeah. Um, Josh Donaldson though only played 450. Yeah, that's a tough one. Won an MVP. Um, like Vlad has already played more games as a Jay than Josh Donaldson did. Yeah, yeah, and for that reason, I, I think I would. I and if you were gonna put him on, and you made it more of an inclusive level of excellence, Edwin's got to go on before. Donaldson, which would happen anyways because Edwin's retired and Donaldson, again, still playing. He's the starting third baseman for the New York Yankees um, after whatever he put forth on his baseball reference page and then into the postseason last year. Yeah, um, he did not have a good year last year. I mean, he was like fine-ish, but uh, yeah, hit 222 with a 308 OBP. And if you watched watched the the Yankees a lot, he can't, not even the postseason, just like down the stretch, even those Aaron Judge games, it's just like he was, he's... Maybe he gets some of it back. I'm not sure how you can get bat speed back, but he had to cheat so much on fastballs mm. to catch up with them that, uh, yeah, I don't know how much longer he has. He's also like 37 years old. So it's true. Um, our next guest is older than that, I believe. And speaking of fastballs, he, he took a, <laughs> what took a, way to a intro. Took, a, took a, a few cuts at some fastballs at BP back when he was a member of team unit. Remember when mm-hmm. the, the Leafs and Blue Jays? Oh, I remember. With uh, Jose Bautista, also a part of hashtag team unit. Uh, Colby Armstrong, spitting chiclets, NHL on TNT over the weekend, and uh, Sportsnet's own as well. Joins us next. The fan drive time continues. Ben Annis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, fan drive time, Sportsnet 5.9 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. In studio, former member of Hashtag Team Unit, Colby Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, that's you remember right. Remember Team Unit? I do. What it was, was that? Awesome. That was a Twitter thing, right? Like, what it was, was it? a hangout with the Blue Jays thing, <laughs> and 
I believe it was like an idea from like JP Aaron Sebia. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds and, right. And Brett Lowry. For sure. And there was a few of us. It was great. Those guys are great. It was great hanging out with those guys. So what was the initiation? You just like have to snort pre-workout or <laughs> what's the deal with those You're going to drink Red Bulls in the sauna full gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. We ran into them out a couple nights here and there. We did uh-huh. a batting practice thing with them. So there was like a relationship there. Uh, they were young guys. We were, I, yeah. you know, fairly young, and yeah. um, it was it was it was it was kind of cool to intermix. And I, you know, like from another, I never hung out with like pro baseball guys before, but they were like they could have came right into our room and fit right in. They were great. So they you, were great. You did batting practice. You were just telling us that you can hit your hybrid four like two hundred thirty yards. Oh, you, you, yeah, you on the fly. Park a lot of the batting practice no, balls I, too. You know what? I when I was taking batting practice, I remember. I, I can't hit it out of the infield, like, in the air. Mm, so um, that's an issue. So the, the batting guy that was with us, I forget his name, he was like, uh, he was like, can you run fast? I'm like, yeah, pretty fast. And he's like, you get a lot of singles. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make you feel better? No, I like that, though. I'm yeah. like, that's busy ball right there. I like getting on base. Like, I'm not I'm not a power guy, you know? No, yeah. no, no. Get no, the you're pitcher's disruptor. head. Yeah, you're on for, work you're him on over. Base, yeah, grind him a little bit. Give yeah. him some looks. Stare him down a bit. Mess with him. Poke one out. Like, you know, just a little pokey <laughs> where it's just out of his reach and I yeah. sprint it out down oh, the line. For sure, that's Nothing you. more frustrating than that. No, I was, I was doing some research on, on Team Unit, knowing that you were coming in studio today because we were just talking what about... What made you think? of that why would you because jose bautista is going to the level of excellence in in august he was there when i was hitting I saw, singles. I was gonna ask he was there you, so at like, batting practice he doesn't like you got your brett laurie you got your jpr and cb and then you got your jose we bautista. got ricky rowe too ricky, ricky rowe was yeah, kicking was, around ricky rowe was beauty when i signed with the leafs they asked me if i want to throw at the opening pitch mm-hmm. and i was like me really what the hell are they thinking <laughs> uh and then i went in there i was kind of nervous they were playing the red Sox too so i come up through the red Sox dugout so yeah. it was like you know some pretty you know, serious customers in there that yes. are like really well known and really good players. Yeah. And I'm like, I walk Some through the Hall them. Of Fame now. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. Hey, what's up, big Bobby? <laughs> like, yeah. How you doing? yeah. He was right there. Yeah. And I go up on the, they wouldn't let me go on the mound because I'm such a mutt. They're like, yeah, don't touch the mound with your feet. I'm like, oh, okay. Some guys so do it anyways. I saw that. I see that on TV every once yeah. in a while. And I'm wondering, I'm like, why wouldn't they let me go up there? Yeah. But, anyways, I, oh, I, I was just worried about like getting it there. Yeah. And I kind of threw it, and Ricky actually caught the ball for me. Nice. So he caught it, but I made him. I made him like come out of his shoes to mm. catch it. Like I over, I went over his head. Well, so that's he had way a, better than in the dirt. Though, yeah, isn't it? yeah. That's not like you did that. Strong. Fifty cent was Fifty Cent the guy that like 50, rocked it into the dugout or something. Yeah, yeah. No, Although I, I still maintain that that was like. That was a work to drum up like publicity for yeah, the yeah, new yeah. album coming out or the movie or whatever it was at the time. Yeah, yeah. nobody could throw that the, that wide. Anyways, just Jose Bautista, he was a part of that too. We won't spend too much time on this, but like he seems like a dude that you know, friendly and all, but not as team outgoing. Unit. Like same, same. Like he doesn't give Brett Laurie, JP Aaron Sebia vibes to me. <laughs> I don't know what he'd talk to those guys about. Is yeah, I think where you're going no, with this. he was cool. Like he hung out, watched us hit and stuff, and was right yeah. there with us, which was really cool. Took time to chat with us. Like really friendly and nice. Um, the crazy thing about that, so he was hanging around, which is like, oh my god, there he is, and we were hanging out with like his teammates, but it wasn't as big of a deal <laughs> it seemed because we knew them kind of. But we went in and and um, we we had lunch with them in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. I don't follow baseball that much, mm-hmm. you know this. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're eating like in there, and like oh, you got to get this burger with like an egg on it, and like the, there's a chef in there, and he's making them. Like this is so cool. Like we're hanging out in here, and you know, then we walk through like the, the like the what do they call it, the, the dressing room, clubhouse, whatever, clubhouse, yeah. And we're in there, and we're like talking to coaches and getting shown around. Buddy, they had a game that night. 
Yeah. Like oh, that, yeah. Like, but that's but they, they play every day, right? So you can't be well, like, I know, as, like as crazy, I know. stringent. Like, it's so cool to see the inner workings where hockey's like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like exact opposite of like right. how chill it is there. Like, do you think we'd ever let, you know, them come and eat like pregame <laughs> meal with us? Like, no. get out of here. Not, a ha- not happening. One of the like biggest eye-opening things, like, so I, I've primarily done basketball in my career yeah. and came up playing hockey and then you see like baseball movies and stuff and then you go in an actual clubhouse and the movies are like pretty true yeah, like, yeah. like guys are playing games and yeah. chirping each other and like Russell Martin's got his like portable PlayStation at the yeah. at the locker and like you can't talk to him when he's in a game of chell or anything like that it's uh, it's pretty remarkable how loose it is in there I until think, like close to game time. Well the relationships with the coaches and stuff too is is really like totally different than hockey. Yeah. I imagine it's getting a little different now by the sounds of it a little bit with, you know, dealing with today's athlete, mm. but it's, uh, it, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it was such a different dynamic. Like they're literally like hanging out, playing cards, like yeah. eating like charcuterie boards and like well, laughing that, and joking. And like the whole I'm thing like, about Whoa. the, the Oh four Red Sox, right. They were, they were hammering some, some weren't shots they, before, they games? before they went out there yeah. and stuff a little bit. That's a rumor. It, things got a little loose after that. When Josh Beckett was hammering like fried chicken before games. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Him and John Lackey <laughs> yeah, getting yeah. in trouble for it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I, I feel like the, the... I still have some of those team unit shirts kicking around my house somewhere. <laughs> I do. Did you guys sell those? What was the They got there? sold. They were, they were selling them at Real Sports, man. No way. We had way. like a full grand opening oh. thing at Real Sports and like press release and everything. I don't know how it got so big, but it was... It was kind of cool like that. It was like a hockey stick and a baseball bat. Oh, yeah. With like, I don't know what like kind of Like Casey logo. Jones from yeah, the Ninja yeah, Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was cool. Those uh, were the days, man. Those were the days. Uh, shout out Team Unit. Um, and now you're one of us. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now no. that Team Unit shirt doesn't fit me anymore. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how loose it is in uh, the Lightning dressing room right now. Yeah. Colby, you were you were part of the TNT panel for yesterday's yeah. game. Uh, just an absolute absolute debacle for the lightning coming off the third period where all the big guys were benched uh-huh. uh against the sabers they had the lightning had four shots on goal through 40 minutes yesterday they lose six nothing they had zero shots on goal the second, second period I know. and it's they this, hit a post yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got a ways to go until this first round matchup between the leafs and lightning and the leafs are dealing with their own injuries today but i mean holy I know, I cow how, if you're a Leaf fan, how are you not like well, loving what's happening the last five honestly, games? Honestly, that's the first thing I thought of last night when I like when the game was over and we're like breaking it down. I was like, oh man, do you think the Leafs are watching and going? Maybe they've maybe the the you know the well is run dry. Maybe they're too tired. They've been through a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what made me think again. Buffalo when they when they sat those guys at third. I think Skinner scored a minute into the third period too to like kind of put the game out of reach. They mm-hmm. probably realized they didn't have it. So I'm wondering, and kind of Biz asked him a question when we interviewed him last night about load management. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of funny. In came load management. Yeah, you don't were, see you that load, all that often. were you doing some load management last night? <laughs> you know, because he's buddies with Charles Barkley too, who's like rails against load management. So it was, um, I think, a little bit of that where they were getting ready for Carolina the next day. But man, that was a beatdown of epic proportion. They didn't have any zone time, and obviously. You know, they the, the way Carolina plays. I don't know how Carolina plays the style of game they do all season long. Mm. It's it's a really hard style of, of hockey. Yeah, it looks exhausting, but pretty pretty effective. And yeah. I, I'd imagine, you know, it's it's exhausting for them. But if you get into seven games with those guys, you're going to be feeling it more because they're, they're more used to it. Um, you mentioned that maybe Tampa Bay is just kind of slowing down or, or running out of gas or something like this. This is the toll that, especially with kind of the pandemic 
condensed yeah, seasons. Yeah, yeah. They went championship, championship, another run to the Stanley Cup finals. You look at the guys who were close to the top of the minutes in teams. Uh, Kucherov's only 29, but then you Hedman's 32, Stamkos 32, uh, Cole and Kalorin 33. You've got a couple 37-year-olds still playing pretty much every day yeah. for them. Um, what is, like, how do you manage that? And I know we, like, tongue-in-cheek about load management, and in basketball, it's a pretty big issue with stars yeah. sitting out regularly. But how do you, like, as a as a team or as a guy, try to manage that you can't have your foot on the gas yeah. for 82 games if you're going to make a, a deep run in the spring? Yeah, and I, I think I've, I noticed this more because I, I didn't get to go on a big run playoffs, which... Is like one regret, obviously, I have in my career. I wish I could have had like a cool run, like where you you're you're going. Yeah. Um, but being around the Penguins the last number of years, it's kind of cool to watch how they, you know, like Sid and Gino and Latang and these guys, you know, back to back cups and how they kind of manage. They don't like they manage their games through the season a little bit because they know they're good enough. They're probably going to get the playoffs again. And they know that, you know, the dog days are the dog days. And they know when a game gets, you know, you can kind of see how they kind of control their output during games and uh, during the season and when to crank it up, you know, they have a feel for that. So, you know, you look at a guy's career when they're young, it's everything you got. It's like old bull, young bull. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you got from the start of the year to the finish until, you know, you empty the tank and, and. I think you become just more aware of, you know, what you have and how to get there and when to crank it up and when it really matters. So it's hard to make the playoffs for one, but um, to be ready to go come that time and not leave too much out there uh, is another thing. And I think you see some of the veteran guys being able to do that and understand that. So Tampa would obviously hope that that's what they're doing right now and that's the explanation yeah. behind this little lull. If you're a team like the Leafs, though, and yeah, they've got some older guys, but they skew a little younger than Tampa Bay. They haven't been past the first round. Can you even do... Like, is that something you have to go through before you can even manage it? Like, I'm, I, it's well, look almost... Look at Colorado. I mean, yeah. like, look at them right now. Like, they have guys injured, studs out of lineup at certain through certain spurts of the season. And you watch them and the pace that they play with still, like, the confidence that they know that they're a good team is, like, gone through the roof. So mm-hmm. they're different now. They're, 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 they're just they're a team that knows that they can win. They're a yeah. team that knows that they're there and they're, so, you know, and, a contender. And I, it's a big difference in, like, battling to find yourself. Dude, they know then, what they are. And Jared Bernard, you know, you would understand if they took a game off. Because yeah. now, yeah. It, it, well, and another thing, too, how do you manage it? You don't practice. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening lots now in yeah. the league. Like, there's a lot of non-practice, a lot of optional skates. There's a lot of managing it that way. That's in, in basketball, too, is, like, shoot-arounds, basically. I mean, they exist, yeah. but, like, they're always optional. They're not doing oh, much, yeah. but it's basically a film session on standing on your feet. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, if we call it unofficial, then media can't come, and then we don't have to deal yeah. with that whole thing. So yeah. uh, there are ways. Uh, a lot of stretching in the conference room at hotels. <laughs> yeah. That's a uh, that's a good day at the office so some days. The Lightning would be well within their rights, right, after appearing in three straight Stanley Cup finals, winning two cups, to take some time off here, to go through a losing streak. But that's what, so yesterday. They look tired as, to me, though. Okay, so, but they like. Do. The, the, I want to go back to the, the Sabres game, though, and mm-hmm. the benching in the third period, which is, okay, load management and Biz can joke about that, but it's clearly a message being sent to, like, the key oh, contributors yeah. to two cups and three finals runs. So 
I guess if if your point is, hey, even the big guys can feel yeah. the wrath of the head coach, I guess. But does anybody I, buy that when this, like, obviously yeah. it's, it's Stamkos and Kucherov and Point aren't aren't taking time off or aren't, yeah. aren't going through the motions. And if they are, they're well, they're, they're deserving to do so. Well, I, I, yeah, I think to a certain point, I think, you know, John Cooper knows that too. And when you're around like your core group, there's like a trust and like, there's a different level there, you know, than... Then you know he the didn't regular, get a response, though. the regular group. No, he didn't get a response. But I think they look really tired. And and you know when you when you're in a position though, like Coop, like you when who who's done that in our league in the last I don't know how many years? Uh, probably John Tortorella. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe Torts. <laughs> yeah, good good point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah he yeah, yeah. you guys for different reasons. So he's yeah, you guys because yeah. he sees Connor Bedard highlights. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's a good let, reason let's too. get me some of that. <laughs> but I, I think to have the that feel with expecting more to a certain level where you're not going to lose a group or you're not going to you know upset the you know the core pieces of your team that there's like a little understanding there, right? Of of yeah. of of I can do this because they know what I'm trying to do here. And also it sends a message to your entire team. It's not just those guys. It's every, when you do it to those guys, it's everyone, but knowing that there's still like a respect level there. I think Coop has that, you know, I think talking to them, understanding the players and the group, what they've been through, that they know that there's, it's, it's not like he, he hates them. No, obviously. Which if it happened to, you know, a guy deeper in the lineup, he'd be like, Oh, he hates me. Oh. Dude. And we need to talk about him as like a, a future hall of famer too. Like John Cooper's probably yeah. headed to, to the hall of fame. He's a, just yeah. a hall of fame coach. Yeah. Um, he's, well, he's won every level of hockey you can win. Yeah. So um, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> so every, every conversation about the lightning is in the prism of like looking forward to this first round matchup against the Maple Leafs. Who, yeah. As I mentioned, they're banged up right now. Ryan O'Reilly out for who knows how long, at least 10 games, though, with a broken finger. John Tavares, partial participant today in practice, might be dealing with, like, a bit of a concussion. Yeah. Not going to yep. play tomorrow against the Devils. Um, is this the right time? Like, okay, I guess both teams are going through a little bit of a slump here right now because the Leafs lost two of the three games out in Western Canada, including giving up two shorthanded goals on one power play on Saturday <laughs> to the Vancouver Canucks. Like, on paper, though... And I know this is a team that went seven games and outscored the Lightning in the first round a season ago. Mm-hmm. Like, is this their best shot ever to get through the first round with the additions they made before I think the deadline? The additions, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and yeah, it's. I think it's going to be one of the more watched series of, of the first round mm-hmm. for sure, just because it's like a replay. <laughs> it, it's it like this is this is like ideal, I think, for attention. Um, and obviously where, where Tampa Bay's team has been at for a number of years and it's like, and where the Leafs have been, it's like exactly perfect for like a massive clash again. But, um, yeah, I think with the additions and, you know, if both team like Hedman got banged up last night, I haven't seen anything mm-hmm. on him with his yes. still no update. They're no expecting update. update tomorrow. Okay. Update tomorrow. Okay. Dude. Um, and, and, you I know, mean- Sergachev blocked a shot. Kucherov got hit in the face with a puck last night, left the game for a bit. There, you know, everyone's dealing with stuff, but you know, when you lose guys for an extended period of time, like O'Reilly, maybe, mm. um, you know, that's 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 a little bit different. But look, what, what's the date today? I don't even know what day is March it today. 6th. Is it Monday today? It's Monday. Monday. March I don't even know where I am right now. But it's um, you know, you've got over a month of hockey um, left, and you know, it's critical that you find your game. Like you can't just turn it on and expect it to be good. But how many games do you need then? Like five? Um, more than that? More. 
<laughs> how about 10? Because yeah. uh, okay. I think that's good. Well, O'Reilly's nine. Yeah. Can, you, can you do nine? Because <laughs> that's yeah. how many, uh, like, best case scenario, Ryan O'Reilly uh, well, returns with nine yeah, games. He might be a, like a personal project there to come back and find the timing, but that's a lot of games. That's nine games is good for mm-hmm. a guy coming back to, like, get back in the rhythm. You ever broke your finger? Yeah. Yeah. How, how, it was how brutal. That- yeah, okay. I broke it for the le- with the Leafs, mm-hmm. and I the tip of my finger, I uh, cross ice pass hit the tip. I like I was screaming. I oh. thought like I was going to die. <laughs> it was so painful. So I imagine he was probably in pain. But I came out and I got a fight. Like right when I came back, yeah. the trainers were so mad at me. <laughs> sure you did. Yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so w- with the Leafs juggling this stuff, and this is kind of, you know, you mentioned with with Tampa Bay, you bench the top guys and you know the coach still has your back and still likes you yeah michael bunting got bumped off that first line the other yeah. night and he was practicing with the third line today so not only are Tavares and o'reilly out but they've now taken someone who's been mostly a fixture on that first line and dropping yeah. down to the third line what are these next couple weeks or even these next couple games look like for someone like michael bunting who's yeah. having a decent goal scoring season but otherwise hasn't really been doing what they expect out of and him. And he's in that a pending role. free agent, too. This is a guy that's looking to get paid for the first time in his career. And he's like a versatile, pesty guy that could go up and down. Like, I was kind of the same thing when I was, you know, starting my career in the NHL. And, mm. you know, they, they, I think he's a guy you can kind of do that to. Also, in regards to, you know, speaking about your stars and mm-hmm. benching your stars and getting a reaction from the team. And if the guys like him on the team too, they see what happens too, right? And I think he's a popular guy mm-hmm. uh, around the team with his personality and stuff. So um, I don't I think it's that big of a deal. And I think it's probably pushing some buttons a little bit with bunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you also have an opportunity where you have a guy that's versatile and can play the style of game that you'd want on your third line as well, right? I know the Leafs play a totally different style of hockey for me than some teams and and maybe that's the thing that might bite them in the end if you know if if they do not get it done in the playoffs i think is like style of play stylistically um but um you know to have versatile personnel that you can bump around and and move into different spots i mean it's different you know how's michael bunting going to take that but i mean you're going to you're going to rise to the occasion or you're going to show up you're going to get it done you're going to you're going to be this guy or you're going to you know pout so I'm curious, you, you mentioned you were a little pesty yourself. You never had the quite as high a penalty minute total as Bunting had last year or this year. And it does seem like he's still among the league leaders in penalties drawn, but yeah. he's also like right near the top in penalties taken. How do you navigate that as someone in that yeah. kind of role? Like where is the line and how do you find it? Yeah, it's it's a challenge, I think. And I think that just kind of comes with the kind of player he is too. I know... You know, timing-wise, sometimes you can go, oh, my God, what are you doing? But, you know, other times, you know, everyone's bragging about how many penalties he draws, right? (laughs) So it's a give and take a little bit with guys that play like that. The thing I like about bunting is that, like, you know, he he can pull himself in and affect games in in different ways by doing that. And there's not a lot of guys in the league that can be like that. You know, Mm -hmm. those guys just don't grow in trees to have that personality game in and game out to be effective that way by being torturous yeah uh so. it might be costing him a couple ducats by taking him away from marner <laughs> and matthews That's yeah very maybe. rude uh so I, I you're from the pittsburgh area you do penguins games as well locally mm-hmm. on the broadcast man it's gonna be tight down the stretch here man the way yep. the sabers and the senators are it's gonna playing. be a battle right to the end mm-hmm. dude and yes and the penguins made some adjustments mm-hmm. at the deadline but you know you, you hear some fire hack uh, yeah i was doing the game it was uh i think it was the oilers game 
McDavid is lighting it up like crazy. Yeah. There's a runaway game, and yeah, that's I, I was I was by Phil Bork, longtime radio, um, you know, color analyst for for the for the Penguins, and and I think he said he's never heard that in the rink before, like fire a coach, fired a GM ever. So I think the expectations are that you sign Geno back, you sign Tanger back in the off season, which yeah. there was possibilities of losing at least one of them. And I think people had kind of come to grips that they might lose one of them, like the fan base. Yeah. Uh, but you bring them both back, and then, you know, the team's really been up and down, like really good or really bad. Um, so it's – and they've dealt with injuries too. Like they've missed mm-hmm. key guys. You know, and Jari missed a bunch of games, which is, you know, big for them. Um, but I think the expectations for the fans are like, hey, listen, we got these guys. You sign them back. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this isn't good enough. We need to see a change, and a lot of it was like the bottom, bottom six. You know, personality. Um, you know who you've got down there. The which which you know which guys can do the job, and and does it mesh or fit? And it wasn't. It wasn't working. So, and I think also to to you know Hextall's defense, I will I will say this. I think he had to wait some time to look at it because the team when they were rolling was one of the best teams in the league for like a month. Mm-hmm. Their power play was one of the best power plays in the league for like a month, uh, and their PK also. So it's like, are we that team, or are we the team that's up and down all the time and dealing with injuries? And when they got everyone back, it didn't take off. Mm-hmm. So he was left to have to identify areas that he was going to you know, go and try to spruce up. And I do think they got better, but I think the expectation still was like, they were going to get like a guy. Yeah, Granlund is uh, Twitter's yeah. not, Granlund, not all that pleased. Benino and Kulikov. Yeah. You know, like I think they were expecting like a like a JT Miller yeah. or like a you know a name guy <laughs> that can bump people down in the lineup and yeah. and and be difference making that way. But they had uh, you know made targeted trades to like that third line bottom six Kulikov bottom end defenseman. Um, we can't have a postseason without Ovi and without Sid though. Come on. No, no. I think the Pens get in. You know who my other team I said I think gets in. Who? I think Ottawa. Oh. Yeah, I mean that would be special. And what at the expense of the Islanders who go out and they'd and be the only other team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, it feels like you got either your your Sens or you got your Penguins. Bod. Only like one got... point difference though between the Islanders and the Penguins. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I know. And the Sabers are right there too. And I think the Sabers have a game in hand. But anyways, it's going to be fun down the stretch in the Eastern Conference. It's going to be right to the wire. I think. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be. Not and, for the and, Leafs, I mean, though. if they separate some of these teams, like Detroit's falling off a bit. Yeah. No, they they pack. It's it going. To, it's going to be Tyler Bertuzzi. I don't yeah. Know oh yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And he and and it's weird because you know he looks like he's been on Boston all year the way he plays. Oh yeah. It's like crazy. I'm like, okay. can anything go? Not wrong. Like, everything's going perfectly. Yeah. Swimming goalies are scoring. Everything's happening. So it's uh, yeah, it's one of those years for Boston. But and and they and then they go and add a guy that looks like he's been there all year. How do you get that right? I mean, yeah. that guy was born a Bruin. The way he yeah. plays, it just carries himself. He, Gang, he gangly hair, yeah. like no teeth, like just dishing, <laughs> can score, can rat it up. He's tough. You know, it's just like fits their brand completely. So yeah, that wild card spot though will be, I think, uh, a battle. Whether it's you know three or four teams, you know, all the way to the end. Colby. Thanks for jumping in here, bud. Um, good I'm going to go with, jump in a hologram I was going to say good luck with whatever it is you're, do, you're jumping I'm in. I'm hologramming a, out to Alberta. He's <laughs> just going to disappear on us right now. Yeah. Just, we'll find I'm out actually he's... not even here. <laughs> That's incredible. What a technology. Old, what a time to be alive. Old corpsey strikes again. <laughs> Great to see you. Colby Armstrong. Thanks when we for come having back, me, guys. Uh, John Gibbons, former Blue Jays manager, as the uh, fan drive time continues. Ben Adams, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. 